You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turning your Bibles, if you would, this morning uh, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, as we continue in our series entitled Unstuck. Um, over the last few weeks, we have realized and learned that everybody at some point in their life, in their spiritual life, can get stuck. How many of you have ever been through a season where it feels like you're not getting any traction in your life? You just feel like you're kind of stuck, right? We talked about how God has a definite plan. God has a definite purpose, and he has a definite destination for every single one of us inside this place right now. He has a destination of freedom and a destination of kingdom effectiveness for every single one of us. He wants us to live in freedom, and he wants to have us operate in kingdom effectiveness for him. Because you've been created to walk in freedom, but you've also been created to be effective for Jesus Christ. Your life was never created to be lived on autopilot. Your life was created with a purpose, freedom and kingdom effectiveness. But we've learned over the last two weeks that we can find ourselves stuck in the progress towards that destination that God has for us. We learned in the first week that sometimes if we don't navigate change well, we can become stuck. How many of you just wake up every single day thankful and praying that there will be incredible weird change in your life? Go ahead and raise your hand right now. Yeah, very few. Some of you are sick and that's okay. That's good. You actually like change. That's good. But the rest of us sometimes get stuck when seasons of change come our way. Change in our jobs, change in our finances, change in relationships. We can find ourselves stuck, but God has called us not to live stuck, but to live unstuck. We've also learned last week that sometimes we can get stuck when we live lives and just um, shackled by legalism. That God has not called us to live legalistic lives, but God has called us to live lives of freedom. And this morning, what we want to do in continuing in this series called Unstuck is to talk about an area that I believe is one of the number one ways that the enemy loves to try to get us to remain stuck. And that area is to remind us of our past, to remind us of the failures of our yesterdays, (laughs) for some of us, even our yesteryears. How many in here this morning, if I gave you just a couple of seconds, could look back on your life and point out a time or two where you messed up royally? How many of you would say every single one of us in here has messed up royally at some part of our life? How many of you know that the enemy would love to use that to remind you time and time again about your failures so that you might stay stuck? Every single one of us, I think, in here, um, even if you're still in school, you could probably think of a teacher that was your favorite teacher maybe in high school. Anybody? How many of you guys had a favorite teacher in high school? Wow, you guys really hated high school. Okay. How many of you had a favorite teacher in elementary? Let's go back to the happy place. Okay. Fantastic. My favorite teacher was, at my, was in high school. He was my Japanese teacher. His name was Mr. Toy. 
And true, true name. I'm not joking. Mr. Toy. Um, he was from California. He was in his mid-20s. So he had like that cool thing going on. Um, he was a captain in the Army Reserves. In fact, he was a Green Beret. And so he was just like this man's man. And he was just funny as can be. And he became the coach of the new wrestling team. Our team, our school had never had a wrestling team. And so because he was so cool, right, I joined the wrestling team. It's not funny. (laughs) I was awesome. No, I wasn't. I was this scrawny surfer kid from Hawaii joining the wrestling team, and I joined late. And I remember going to my very first match. And, And so I get out there on the mat, and the guy I'm facing is a cross between Andre the Giant and Conor McGregor. None of you remember WWF? Andre? Okay, he was scary, people. He was scary. And so I got out there, and I kid you not, they blew the whistle, and within 10 seconds flat, I was pinned on the ground. And, and, and man, I, how many of you remember being 18 full of male pride? How many of you remember being 50 and full of male <laughs> Okay, okay. So my male pride was wounded. I was like so humiliated. But more than that, I was just shell shocked. I had no idea what just happened. I just got dominated. And so I made my way to the bench, and Coach, Coach Toy comes over to me and says, Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. And so I'm sitting on the bench, right? And, and, and I'm humiliated. I'm shell shocked. I'm thinking of what just happened. And then my next match comes up, and it's against the guy that I can take. And my coach said, you got this one. I said, no worries. So I get out there, the whistle blows. How many of you have ever had a moment in your life where everything is working here, but it doesn't translate from your ears down? Like dancing, okay? You know what you want to look like, but you don't look like that at all because nothing's listening from here down, right? So I knew what I wanted to do to wrestle this guy, and I knew I could be, but nothing from here down was working. And within 30 seconds this time, I got pinned again. Now I walk over to my bench again, and this time, Coach Toy, his demeanor is totally different. He's not saying that's okay. He's using language you don't use in church, I promise you. And he's saying, yelling at me. And finally, though, when he calms down, he comes back to me, and these are words that I'll never forget. He said, do you know why you lost that match? You lost this match because you were still busy losing the last one. You lost this current battle because you were still busy losing the last one. Man, isn't that true in our lives? Isn't it true that, first of all, we're in a battle, people. You and I are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. But here's the cool thing. The spiritual battle that you're in, the enemy gets pinned every single time because God has the victory. But the reality is this. Sometimes when we still find ourselves struggling, when we find ourselves struggling, oftentimes what I find is that because the believer is still fighting the battle of yesterday. How many of you have ever woken up in the morning and you're ready to go take on the world, but you get this whisper from the enemy? I call it a whisper from the enemy. As you sit there and you're anticipating being used by God that day, and the enemy would say to you, who do you think you are? How many of you have ever felt that way even coming to church? 
What are you doing going to church? Remember who you were Saturday? And that whisper and that accusation from the enemy tries to hold us back from where God is taking us to that path of freedom and kingdom effectiveness. Why? Because we're still fighting yesterday's battles. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 10. This, just so that you don't take my word for it that you're in a spiritual battle. Let's hear what the word says about the spiritual battle. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in your mighty power. That was the, that was the wrong translation. In whose mighty power? In whose mighty power? His mighty power is able to save. His mighty power is good enough and great enough and victorious enough of our yesterday's mistakes. It's in his mighty power that we can move past yesterday and step into today and tomorrow. But too many as Christians are stuck and we're beating ourselves up. And we're not being released into the fullness of who we are because we're still so stuck fighting yesterday's battle. And we're forgetting it's his mighty power that declares us free. It's his mighty power that has declared us forgiven. It's his mighty power that will see us through today. It continues on in verse 11. It says to put on the full armor of God so so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. When? What? Not if, but what? But when the day of evil, and how many of you know, and you've lived this out in your life, uh, the enemy is, is, is pretty persistent, right? You can count on him trying to show up and, and, and jack you up a little bit tomorrow, right? And so knowing that that's going to happen, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is telling us today, hey, get ready for it because you're in a wrestling match. And the enemy would love nothing more than to pin you to cause you to become stuck. <laughs> but you, you win. Well, how, how do we win? How do we prepare for what is inevitable that is going to come? It says, after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I hope you notice something about this. And some of you already have, and you know this, that all of this defensive, all all this protection, I should say, you know where it's all at? In the front. We're talking about a breastplate of righteousness. We didn't talk about a backplate of righteousness. We talked about a breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because we as believers are always to be going forward. We're always moving forward. But what happens if I turn around and I look at my yesterdays? I'm vulnerable. 
to those fiery flames, to those darts that the enemy would shoot at me. It says, hey, you remember that one time you did that? Hey, Jeremy, if they only knew who you were. Hey, Jeremy, if they only knew what went inside your head sometimes. Do you remember that time you thought about this? And do you remember this t- that time that you did that? And if I'm looking this way, there's no way I'm going to be able to walk forward into what I want to do, what God has called me to do. And the reality this morning, the sad thing of this morning, is that so many believers in here are still picking up what God has called them to put down so long ago. Write this in your notes. If you don't let your past die, then it won't let you live. If you do not let your past die, it is not going to let you live. There's no more effective tactic, I think, that the enemy does than tries to get you to hold on to yesterday's mistakes. If you're not willing to let go of the past, it will wreck your present and rob you of your future. You absolutely cannot move forward and at the same time stay stuck in the past. So many people are carrying things that they were never intended to carry what the Holy Spirit would say to you and I today, put it down, because He already has. Put it down. I, uh, I need someone buff and strong. All right, Lisa, come here. <clears throat> now I want you to stick your hand out like that. I want to take your leg like that. No, I'm just kidding. Stick your hand out. Now, how many ounces would you say is in that? So I had time to study this time. Oh, gosh. You would. So there's 7.5 in here. I drank some, though, between services. Okay. 7.5 ounces. How many of you would say that's pretty light? Some of y'all need to go to the gym. How many of you would say that's pretty light? 7.5. Okay. Now, if I asked Lisa to, to, to hold that for a long time, in fact, would you just stand over there and I'll get back to you at the end of the sermon. Just keep like, she won't do it. You know why she won't do it? Because even if this is pretty light, only 7.5 ounces, you know what's going to happen after about a half hour? Huh? It's going to hurt. Her arm's going to start getting numb. Can you imagine if she went for an hour or two like that? Do you think she could really use her right arm? I bet you it would take a while before she could re-engage that right arm, don't you think? Right? Because it gets all numb and weak and weary, and she's carrying something that seems so light. But in time, if she continues to carry it, her arm becomes ineffective. Do you hear me, people? You've been called to be kingdom effective. But when you're carrying stuff that you weren't meant to carry, you become stuck and you become ineffective. And if there's one thing I know about this church, if there's one thing I know about every single individual that's in here right now, you have a heart's desire to be used by God. You love Him passionately. So here's the good news. He loves you passionately too. He loves... How many of you... I'm not a good... I'm not, don't ask my kids this, but they would agree. I'm not always a good dad. Don't, don't ask them about it. But there's times... Um, even me, even me being a bad dad, do you know how often I bring up to my kids the mistake that they made last week? Do you know how many times I do it? I don't. 
When it's been dealt with and they've been forgiven, it's been forgotten. And, and it, I'm so not a good dad. <laughs> and if I can do that and you do that as parents, don't you think your father does that? Remember that specific word that the Holy Spirit gave to us in worship? You don't have to earn my love. It's been given to you freely. You are mine and I am yours. I am bringing you into something. Watch this. Watch what he does. Tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Read this out loud with me. Therefore, Okay, I'm going to get a little bit geeked in the Greek. Is that okay? <laughs> I love Greek. I love the Greek here. The new is here. That word new is kainos. Kainos. It means of form and of substance. Both form and of substance. So form, the outside appearance. Here's the, here's, here's the definition. Recently made, fresh, unused, unworn. How cool is that? That's the outer appearance of this new creation. How many of you have ever met someone who had a crazy God encounter and then has come to know Jesus Christ? Have you not just seen like they're jacked up, right? Their, their, their countenance is just excited. There, there's something ch- and you can almost physically see it in them. In fact, Psalm 34 says this, those that look to him, they will, their faces radiate. They're radiant. There's something about when we come into an encounter with God, it even changes our complexion. So that's the form, but it's also the substance. It's something that's going on inside of us. The old person we were is being made new into a new, in fact, it is new. And when it says new creation, katesis is the Greek word for that. Here's something that's really cool. Katesis means that, that which was created and that which is being created. That which was created and that which was being created. Meaning this, the moment you received Christ as Savior, you were a new creation in that moment. And God is still creating something new in you. Oh, come on. Somebody get excited. Somebody be excited about that. I am. Because you know what? That means that God has not only taken care of my past, he's taking care of my future. So not only are the dumb stuff that I never did, but you guys did, the dumb stuff that you did in the past, that's done, dealt with. God has taken it from you forever. And now he's doing something in your future. Somebody say amen. This is the Pentecostal church. It's okay. You can say amen. It's four square. It's four square. God is doing something new in you. He's done the new in you. And he's doing the new in you. Don't you dismiss that. Allow me, as your pastor, to rebuke you for a moment. If you are dismissing what God is doing, you are in error. You are in error because you stand in opposition to what the Word of God tells us. And when we stand in opposition to what the Word of God tells us, we remain stuck. We remain stuck. So how how do we get unstuck when the enemy tries to do what he does? Philippians 3.13 says this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, read that out loud. 
to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Strain forward, strain ahead, press on, stop, stop wrestling yesterday's match. Write this down, number one, in your notes, if you would. Don't, don't ever, never, ever, ever, somebody say it, never, never. let your mistakes define your life. Don't do it. Don't allow your mistakes to define your life. Let's do a quick history lesson. Moses, murderer. David, adulterer. Rahab, a prostitute. Matthew, a cheat. <laughs> Paul, a Christian slayer. Thank God they weren't defined by their past. Thank God it's been handed down to us that our past does not define us, that we are not stuck by yesterday's mistakes, but we're moved forward into freedom and kingdom effectiveness. The story that's true about Moses and David and Rahab and Matthew and Paul, it's your story too. It's your story too. Don't ever forget that. Number two, rise above condemnation as you rule over your thinking. Rise above condemnation as you rule over your thinking. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He is called the accuser of the brethren, and boy, does he like his job. Romans 8.1 tells us this, Therefore, there is now... What? It doesn't say some condemnation, does it? Just look at your translation real quick to make sure. Because I know we have New Living Translation, NIV, New King James in here, maybe even King James. Does anybody say some condemnation? Every single Bible in here, if it's the Word of God, says there is, no, there is now no condemnation. So what, what are you doing living a life that's in agreement with the accuser? Oh, don't do that. You would not agree with him on any other topic, would you? If you and the enemy were having a conversation right now, do you think you'd ever agree with him on, um, on politics or racism or terrorism or what marriage should be? Do you think you would have any point of agreement with him? Not with the vile, disgusting things that he would spew out of his mouth. And yet we'll stand in agreement with him when he accuses you of your yesterdays. No, 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 no. We move beyond that. We don't stand in agreement with him. We always stand in agreement with the word of God and what he says about us. And we are free. Free. Number three, write this down. We got to know that in Christ you are completely forgiven and unconditionally loved. So live forgiven. Say unconditional. Write that down, if you would, in your notes. Underline it, highlight it, do whatever you must do. Don't forget that. It's, you know what unconditionally means? Without condition. That's that Kohala education that I had. Without condition. You're forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the richness of God's grace. That's a great time to say amen. amen. 
you are forgiven. Once and for all, you're forgiven, no matter where you've been, no matter where you have been, no matter what you have done. God loves you purposefully, passionately, and unconditionally. That's the good news this morning. Dr. Um, Christian Barnard, the first surgeon to ever successfully perform a heart transplant. He did it on another physician. This other physician's name was Philip Blaybird uh, from Johannesburg, South Africa. And so Dr. Bernard asked Dr. Blaybird after he had recovered, would you like to see your heart? <laughs> Dr. Blaybird, he um, said yes. He went to the office and he became the first person in history to hold his own heart. Can you imagine that? And, and for about 10 minutes, he began to ask Dr. Baynard some, some technical questions. How'd you do this? And what, what about that incision? On and on and on. 10 minutes. And then he took this heart of his and he said, so this was the heart that was giving me all that trouble. <laughs> he said he set it down and he walked away and he never came back to it. You hear me? You and I had a black, black heart that gave us a lot of problems. Because there was a time we were in, we, we were dead, we were dead in our sins. We were dead. And I know how black my heart was. In fact, I believe the word would tell us that it was wicked and deceitful above all else. <laughs> but you know what happened? I got a heart transplant. Cool is that? And so did you. And so did you. Does it mean that you're not going to mess up anymore? Just ask my wife. Probably going to happen today. Saints play, right? Probably going to happen today. But I got a new heart. A, a new heart. So that old heart that caused me all that trouble, that caused you all that trouble, put it down. Put it down. Walk away from it. And hey, worship like crazy that God has done something new in your life. We've talked a lot about God's grace for the believer. We've talked a lot about not needing to be stuck because of your past mistakes. Because you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the moment that you do that, you know your past is your past and it's dead. But maybe there might be some of you in here today, because I don't know everyone, who your past really is your present right now. Because maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so you find yourself in this place of decision this morning. You can stay stuck and dead in your sins or you can receive the scandalous, crazy love that God has for you. And there's no in-between. It's one or the other. So this morning, with all eyes closed, 
I plead with you. There is no bigger decision that you'll ever make in your life, not the decision of what kind of a career you'll have, who you'll marry, what you'll name your kids. The biggest decision you'll ever make in your entire life is to receive the love of Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, you don't have to try to earn His love. You just receive it. And I want to pray with you. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you just raise your hand right now, right where you're at. Don't allow the enemy to hold you back. Don't allow him to try to discourage you or to sow seeds of doubt. Just on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it up. Anybody in here? Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to take that as confirmation that you've already made that decision. Now I want to pray. And we're going to get you out of here. I'm going to run a little bit over. But I want to pray for individuals right now who are struggling a little bit. You know that this message was for you. And again, the Holy Spirit just is kind of doing something in you. And I just want to pray for strength and courage for you to walk in your new identity. So anybody in here this morning just says, hey, that's me, and I, want, I, I could be used. I could use a little prayer this morning. Would you just raise your hand this morning so we can agree in, in prayer? Yeah, okay. Okay. Cool. Okay, so Lord, those hands that are up this morning, Father, I pray that you would begin to do something in them that is overwhelming. Overwhelming. Overwhelm them with your Holy Spirit right now, even as we are standing here crying out to you. Holy Spirit, begin to reveal the depth of the Father's love for them even now. Show them, whether it be through vision, through confirmation or other people's words, whatever it may be, pour out your Spirit upon them. Even now, just as you've done in the past, even now, do it now, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that the message that they are receiving by the raising of their hand today is not a message that's left behind. But Father, it's taken with them into their workplace, into their homes, into their neighborhoods, that they would walk in freedom and kingdom effectiveness, Father God, that they would be passionate, that they are new in you. And can we just thank God how good he is this morning? Isn't he cool? Chase, he's so good. Hey, God bless you guys. So cool to get to worship with you. Um, We'll see you next week, Sunday. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.